Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. All right, great, great, great. Cheers, cheers. Hey, uh, let me ask you something. You got done Don Denver and John Shannerman dining on the Superman and Dorlin? <laughs> just the other day, I touched on there. I said, Don't you want a fucking gay dog? <laughs> I mean, have you noticed that if you don't ken Daniel and Shannerman, you can't find them Don in 33? <laughs> Oh, just a minute, who we got right here? Look at these front row out of the Ponzi bastards right here. You trying to take the piss out of me? <laughs> Look at me very closely, ladies. I am your future. <laughs> Comedy in Glasgow. You won't understand it, but you'll understand it's funny. In the words of Alex Rogers. Episode 38. Be more like Lord Lindsay. Oh yeah. Bloody hell. I'm sweating here. It's like a sauna, roasting, boiling, baking, sweltering. You could fry an egg on my stomach. Fan, dabadozy, testic. Welcome back, my whimsical wild friends. This is Alex Rogers. 
recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which you're listening is the now and we're officially in is everybody in is everybody in Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. So, already, before I've even talked about anything relative, relative, yeah, I guess relative, or relevant, or pertinent, um, I've already bombarded you with two uh, uh, pop culture references. I guess I'll move backwards. The one you just heard? Well, if you didn't know, that's good old Mr. Jim Morrison. Mr. James Douglas Morrison, poet extraordinaire. And uh, what you heard at the top of uh, the show proper, uh, that's the opening to Sexy Beast. Y'all ever seen Sexy Beast? That is a really, really great movie. Uh, But before I get into that... um, Yeah, my friends, let me just quickly, as it might be, if you listen to the last episode, you might be thinking, well, hey, uh, that was one bombshell of a humdinger of a doozy that you uh, left on our doorstep. How you doing since then? I don't know, maybe I'm presuming too much. You might be going, uh, oh, daddy drama? I've been there, done that. So, uh, who knows? However, if you care... Uh, no, if um, if you'd like to know, I, I've actually uh, been in a strange daze since I last spoke to y'all. I, uh, I felt like I, I got to release with you guys, the listeners, a lot of what had been building for the uh, initial few weeks after uh, everything I needn't repeat for the sake of time on this show, but you'll hear in the last episode. But everything regarding my my dad. And uh, I feel like since then I've been a little bit, yeah, dazed is the word. And a little, not dazed and confused. I'm not that confused. I'm actually pretty clear on things. But um, I feel a little bit of what I want to say. And I don't want to worry you all, but kind of like a depression. And I mean that on an energy field level, which <laughs> that's probably actually a constant part of clinical depression um but no it's not um i don't feel like it's anything to worry about it actually feels pretty natural my energy feels a bit depleted um after the experience and on talking about the experience and the depth and extent that i did in the last episode oops as i bump my uh pop 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 filter not sure how much popping it's filtering, but, uh, you know, I look cool with it here. Um, yeah, just, whoo, I feel, I've been feeling a little empty, um, almost numb, not comfortably numb, Pink Floyd fans and any, uh, worriers out there, no, nothing to worry about there. Like I say, it feels pretty natural. It actually kind of feels like what would happen 
after you go into kind of like a spiritual battle. And in a weird way, not even weird, in a cosmically cool way, a battle that I have been preparing for to a certain extent my whole life. So I'm pretty uh, grateful for how things happened, but like any Olympic race, any uh, charge after the shot of the gun and down the field you go and hopefully you hit the finish line quick as can be, yeah, it's been... It's been a bitch. No. <laughs> I don't know why I use that word. It seems very, very funny. Okay, this is this is freaking random. This is goddamn random. I don't know why I'm gonna share this because it just it just came up. Okay, I can't believe I'm gonna mention a '90s comedy that I don't think any of you have have thought about since you saw it in the '90s. You ready for this? Bushwhacked with Daniel Stern, um, a man, and I and with great honor I say this. Uh, sometimes with the wild state of my hair and even some of my mannerisms. I, I, I've been compared to him. And dude, absolutely. It, it, everyone was someone in the movie Break, uh, Breaking Away, and I was absolutely Daniel Stern's character back in high school. I was totally that guy. Um, but yeah, bushwhacked. I remember there was this uptight teacher in middle school, really uptight, but it was movie day. So we're going to watch a comedy. And you know, it's it's already hilarious when someone with kind of like a real uptight, no sense of humor goes, we're going to watch a comedy. And <laughs> randomly, I guess because it had come out that year, we're talking mid to later 90s, right? I think that's when it came out. Uh, we watched Bushwhacked. And there's this scene where like he's a, he, he's kind of, I think he's a criminal who somehow gets involved with the Boy Scouts? I, I don't remember it. It, it, except I do remember it's like one of those movies where the kids should have supervision, but this kind of slightly criminal dude who's kind of a funny guy, but and don't worry, nothing creepy, just shenanigans in the woods, uh, kind of a, a slapstick comedy, really. Bushwhacked. That's such a funny name, too. Anyway, there's a scene where, because he's, he's a tall teller, he, he, he likes to spin a yarn, this character, and I think the kids have bought it all, and I think there's someone else who shows up, and they're like, yeah, he's, and I, I, dude, I, I'm going off of memory, which is, I, this is back in 19, as I like to say the older I get, you know, something to kind of make the, the, the new generations giggle, because, you know, I'm from last millennium, 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 millennium. It's a trip, folks. I was born last century and last millennium. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Alex, you took us to this pointless yarn about bushwhacked, about a guy who spins yarns. Let's connect the thoughts here. Okay, so I just remember that the buildup to this bit is that this guy is supposed to be supervising these kids. And I think other adults are like, are you sure you're qualified to do this? And the kid's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told us that he did this. He did that. Didn't you also? And I think it's something like, didn't you also uh, uh, climb to the top of Mount Everest? It's some ridiculous claim he makes. And the parents are like, 
all right, well, what was it like? And all the kids and all the adults, they're all waiting in expectation. And Daniel Stern just looks at them all and goes, well, it was a bitch. (laughs) And I just remember we all, of course, we kids, we giggled because, ooh, there's a cuss word. But our uptight teacher absolutely went, like, lost it. I think it was the first time any of us had heard like a real laugh, like 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 the kind of the explosive you can't control yourself, like oh my god, that that's too funny for any socially constricted part of me to censor. So hey, bravo, bushwhacked. Goddamn, I had no intention, my friends, to at all talk about bushwhacked on this episode. Can you freaking believe it? No freaking way. I had no intention. That's so funny. You got to grab it, guys. When the inspiration arises, even when it's a 90s comedy no one ever talked about since it came out, and all of you probably have gone, okay, all right, we get it. Um, Boy, you just got to go for it. You really got to go for it. And, you know, uh, if that, that feels good, too, to get kind of silly with you guys. You know, we keep it funny here. We got to keep it talking. We joke around. We kid a lot. We goof, you know. We, we have a lot of yucks, a lot of laughs. And it helps me certainly metabolize um, some of the rockety, rollicky experiences of late. So I thank you all for your, uh, for your support. Some of you uh, reached out to me. And um, said some very sweet things. And that means a lot. I really appreciate it, y'all. And we're going to keep on breathing. Um, You know, it's very interesting that um, I've had moments in my life like this. Like on the other side of the spectrum, you can have um, something that's not at all traumatic, but you're still like the victor. I remember I, I had an unexpected, passionate kiss from this beautiful lady when I was in, like when I was 21 or 22. Absolutely unexpected. And I, and I remember I walked home that night and I thought I could I could get hit by a bus and it could end tonight and I would be happy. This is good. I'm good. Look at that, this kid. But, but I mean, hey, listen. When you're in the rapture of love of a Brazilian lady who chooses you to be her dance partner randomly one night at some party, you listen. And you follow the command. Um, but yeah, it was a, uh, it, that was such a cool experience. I could just go, okay, can we roll credits here? No, I still have to. Ooh, I mean, and I'm not trying to sound ungrateful. I don't mean to make life sound like, no, I have to keep living. But in this situation where I kind of feel like I reached a, it's not closure, my friends. And I don't want to call it, you know, actually, no, I'm going to call it a victory. But can we call it a lowercase v victory? Meaning there's more to do. But this is a nice win in something that I feel like I went through. And by the way, if you heard some so if you hear some sick beats outside my domicile, uh, it's because uh, it's been hot lately, folks. I got the window open. I'm in the crib. Oh, sounding a little cheerful there, baby. All right. And um, yeah, so you may hear some of the uh, 
the street life happening outside with the taxi horns and the call of Mr. McGregor and he's five months behind on rent. Uh, I have no idea what, what that is, but there you heard it. So I sometimes feel like in a moment where I go through this whole, okay, wow, I've overcome or I've at least gotten over a big mountain. Now I see that there's another mountain range ahead of me. And uh, don't mind that siren outside. Sirens are here to help. Then why does it always scare the fuck out of me? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I feel like at times, can't we roll credits right here? I did it. I, 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 I had my return of the Jedi. The true return of the Jedi. Not the confusing semi-masterpiece we have, in which the first half is banging awesome, and adult AF, and S&M-AF. And then, right when Yoda dies, all the credibility dies with him. <laughs> I loved the Ewoks as a kid. I really did. I loved the Ewoks as a kid. I really did. I really did. But later in life, when I found a wife, I looked back at Star Wars fame, and I cannot know what I did not know. But merchandising is to blame. Thank you. The rest of my poems are etched in a stone on a heath. But yeah, you, you see this mountain range ahead of you. I see a mountain range ahead of me, and I'm going, oh, damn, right. I still have to carry <clears throat> my adult body into the next chapter, as they say. I don't want to be one of these guys who just sort of rests on the bitterness of, yeah, well, my dad was this, and then I stopped working on myself, and I brood on how just brood, brooded? brooded right i brood i was made into tea all of a sudden but i brew nice and strong no i think if you if you brood therefore past tense if i had brooded um god damn it i just absolutely lost my thought with this needless thing to chase the grammar right there but let's put it this way if I just um, am hung up on the pain of my father for the rest of my life, I'm not growing as a man. And I see some big to-dos in my life that only I can take care of. And I now, because of this recent experience, am clearer than ever that I can no longer blame anything on him. I am clear as ever. I can learn from the experiences and he will always be the greatest teacher. I, I've made a t-shirt for you, Pops. Worst dad ever. Greatest teacher ever. One's on the front, one's on the back. I'll let you wear the t-shirt to find out. So, yeah, that is... Uh, that's where I, where I stand on the matter. I see a lot of work ahead of me, and I'm a little scared... And we're talking about inner and outer work to be done. Things I see objectively ahead of me, 
and things I see inwardly, a part of a part, not a part, but a, it is a part of me within to attend to. And neither mommy nor daddy can help me with this one. Ooh, baby. But you know what? I even saying that right now, I, I do feel a rush and an invitation from uh, life. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Because that, I think, is what it's all about, right? We thank our parents. They did the best they could. And now, off I go. And speaking of doing that voice and transitioning right there, um, let me get back to that uh, feeling from before. That's an amazing opening monologue to this film that I mentioned at the beginning, Sexy Beast, with that, oh yeah, bloody hell. Um, I've been watching it again recently. So what I want to talk about, by the way, for the rest of this episode, you know, boy, you you have to pick up the pieces somewhere, right? And before this lightning bolt of a a tsunami wave of a kick-ass experience of late... I, as you may have been listening, I was doing a lot of uh, film talk. Well, let's get back into it. I'll always get back to the noir, but I got back into some British classics that I have always enjoyed and I've seen periodically throughout my life. But as we've talked about before, when you get older and older, you watch the same things and you realize there they are. They, they are exactly as they've been. But you have changed, and they become deeper and more special as you go on and on. So the first one I want to talk about is Sexy Beast. Now, uh, (laughs) that's a cool and strange title. I've seen the movie countless times now, and I couldn't tell you why it's called that necessarily. But it's also not important. It's just a fucking great title. But what you get is, oh, I've, I've noticed I do have a theme on the show. I've been into these movies where people are expats and they're in a new land and they're trying to get away from trouble, but trouble has a way of following them no matter where they go in the far reaches of the earth. So you have these ex 
British gangsters who've got these amazingly thick British voices that even I have to put subtitles on sometimes to figure out what the fuck they're saying. Especially this one friend who has this way of talking. We have this very important friend. And now wait, it's about this sort of cold fish. It's like that, where you're just like, what? What? And I really try, and I have a very good ear. Being an Anglophile you, myself, you see, and having quite a lot of British ancestry. Sorry, that, <laughs> that really came out drunk, and I haven't even had a drop. British ancestry. Uh, yes, I, uh, I, have a, I have a keen ear for various uh, accents of Her Majesty's language. and um, But some of those accents in Sexy Beast are thick AF. And my God, they're, they're so fun. But this is quite simply one of those movies that has a theme that we've all kind of seen in the gangster genre. It's the, come on, man, one more job. One more job, and then you'll be out for good. But until then, you're under my thumb. So come on, mate, one more job. We've all, you know, we know that. uh, We know that whole thing. Or the guy who's like, I just gotta make, or the movie Superfly. I'm going to sell 30 keys and then I'm out. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, but, but this movie, Sexy Beast, breaks every single expectation. It has an amazing script, like really well done dialogue. And it's funny as fuck too. And it's really scary. It's tense. It's strange. It's surreal. There's nightmare imagery that I don't want to spoil for you. But I'll just say this much. If you're hoping for a monster, you get one. And I do mean like something you don't find in the natural world. Oh, oh yeah, it, it shows up. It gets that cool. Now, um, there is... Uh, when it came out... Now, I, I, the reason I'm stuttering over myself right now is uh, there's an obvious thing to say about the movie. And I agree with the obvious thing to be said about it. I just realize I want to talk more about it. But let me get it out of the way. There is a phenomenal, game-changing performance by Sir Ben Kingsley. And, uh, and shout out to you, Sir Ben, because we have the same birthday. So uh, this guy does an amazing performance as pure antagonism. And what's fun, guys, is this movie came out in the year 2000. At that point, Ben Kingsley was known mainly for Gandhi. Maybe the most chill, uh, keeping it cool, relaxed, professing non-violence would never, I mean, if we, if I, I assume, never actually physically attacked people. I hope this, you know, you know, this is where someone goes, actually, if you read PTRCP Sapasapatapatas' book, you're going to find that uh, Gandhi was actually a depraved criminal and he was a CIA operative who, who under, you know, it's going to be some shit like that. But anyway... Let's put it this way, in a storytelling actor depiction, uh, you know, Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben, uh, uh, did a phenomenal performance giving one of the most, uh, a movie that makes you want to be chill and peaceful and just like as Buddha-tastic as possible. And here he is showing up as a hard-ass motherfucker and by the way, another reason I wanted to rewatch it is I've been thinking about how things change. Now, I love his performance. I always will. When I first saw it as a 17-year-old boy, that's when it, that, when it came out, I was 17. 
<laughs> There's a, that line is actually in the movie. Oh, 17. Did that surprise you? What, that you were 17? Uh, I, at that age, into and through my 20s when I would watch it, I would think, God damn, Ben Kingsley's character is so fucking cool. Because you laugh a lot. Because he says the most outlandishly shocking, rude, antagonistic, really fucking offensive shit ever. He's everything all of us in our most nasty moments have wanted to say. Um, but as I get older and having just kind of dealt with all that on a family level, I was watching the performance and there's something that he was doing, which I would, it was always there. And I never just really saw it before, but it was, it was always there. And that's the great sign of a fucking phenomenal performer. The, the Sir Ben, <laughs> I know he likes to be called that. That's why I keep deferring to that. <clears throat> um, his performance has this wounded child. The, and you realize that's, that he's also got this narcissist thing where he's all bully. And he is indeed scary. And he's definitely a force you need to pay attention to. You can't take him lightly. But if you poke him with the right truth, oh, he'll, he'll fucking bitch out. And there were bitch qualities to Don Logan. That's the name of his character, which I never saw before. Don't give me your, It doesn't make me like the character any less. And you're supposed to kind of like the character from a distance because that's a truly depraved, evil dude. But I, it, what's so great is that performance is so complete. He not only plays the sort of just upfront brashness that can make us think, ooh, a badass... But he's also a big fucking victim, and nobody loves him. And that's his greatest weakness, is that he knows nobody loves him. And this is what makes the movie really special, too, is that it deals with a lot of love. And speaking of, let's get into some of the other characters here. I, as I get older, I find, you know, the movie was, was well-received at the time, and... As much as Ben Kingsley absolutely deserves all the merit, it also kind of became the only conversation piece of the movie for a while. And believe me, he has the part. If you read the script and you wanted to have the juiciest part, you go, oh, Don Logan, easily. But the, your anchor for the movie is played by Ray Winstone. And he's the guy who says that stuff in the beginning there. Actually, now I sound a bit more like Jason Statham. I don't really sound like him at all, actually, in terms of Ray Winstone. But um, he is your guy who has moved to Spain. He has a gorgeous wife. Both of them come from very sordid, dirty backgrounds. She actually was uh, an adult film performer to say it cleanly, and uh, he, I believe, was a thief. He even served prison time. So they've seen hell. They've been through hell, and they're done. They got out of the game. So this is where Don Logan shows up one day, and they live in, by the way, this gorgeous hacienda in the Costa del Sol of Spain. And, um, and by the way, you have Don Logan, who's sort of your terrestrial evil and then you have pure void black darkness void 
Evil, played by Ian McShane. And for anyone who's having a little, huh? Deadwood, anybody? And also, Mr. Wednesday, of late. So, my goodness, Ian McShane is the other powerhouse of this movie, and he plays the actual, oh shit, he's the Jaws of Evil. And is he going to chew you up, or is he going to spit you out? You never know as soon as he shows up on screen. Um, Another thing about it that's really fun, the whole movie is cut tight, baby. And you know I love my short, well-told movies. This is 88 minutes, people. You can get a full experience. And by the way, everybody likes this. I showed this to my mom And she laughed and she got into it. I thought the strong language and some of the violent scenes might be a little tough for her, but she was, you know, if if it's a good story and great dialogue and also great fucking accents, oh, fuck me, the fucking beautiful, um, you got to get into it. It's fun for everybody, men and women, and um, there's a love story in it. There's comedy, there's action, there's heist. And um, and it, it has that cool thing that they were doing in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was cut to like this sort of music video with that kind of beat that was really hot back then. And I kind of miss that, folks. Why can't there be some tight cut editing? I, I, I'm going to bring it back if no one else does, Dagnabbit. Now then, the other film I wanted to talk to you all about is a classic, and it was so lauded at the time that it got the the Best Picture winner of 1981 of the American Motion Picture Academy Awards. But you know what, As as I say that with kind of thumbing my nose at the establishment tone I just took there, if you're gonna give a Best Picture win. This is a movie that is so deserving of it. Chariots of Fire. Now, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've heard bung, dung, dung, dung. Oh, shit, come on, Alex. Let's, 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 let's at least do it in the key or, or slightly in the key. I can do that better. Give me one sec. I, you know what? Actually, I have to do the first part to get there. I have to go... There we go. That that'll do for now. That'll do until the real. It'll do t- till the real thing comes. Um. You've heard that music at some point, even you, if you've never seen the movie or you never knew it belonged to a movie. This is about the Olympics, my friends. This is an exciting movie, and it's unusual, in the sense that imagine a film that takes place in 1924. All right, and. It's also told from the English side of things. So you have a very proud people who, by the way, at this point in time, are not even a decade removed from the First World War. 
In fact, no one at this point knows that a second world war is going to happen. And it's the 1920s, and you're a young man and, and or woman. Or woman. Why don't you stop talking about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Okay, no, that's Monty Python, and we're focusing on Chariots of Fire. So... And by the way, this is a film that my mom showed me when I was a kid, and it was a really special... Do do that, parents, because that's one of my favorite moments. My mom, maybe, who knows, if for my mom it may have just been another movie night. For me, I remember feeling like I was being inducted into a secret, into a movie that has one of the best soundtracks ever, Mr. Vangelis, or Vangelis, I still don't know how we're supposed to pronounce it, but he's one of my favorite artists ever. If you ever want to get lost in good sounds, quite frankly, folks, you can't go wrong on any of his albums. But while we're at it, I would say um, get into any of his shit from the 70s and the 80s. I mean, it, it, even stuff afterwards is amazing, but like especially that 70s and 80s stuff. Ooh, baby. Um, and... So imagine this film taking place in the 1920s and you have a synth score. And it's not like embarrassingly 80s, folks. It actually like it 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 surpasses time. It doesn't make you feel like this is some cheesy thing. The soundtrack rules. It's really good. And this movie is about English society. It also through one character shows a, a Scottish man but more so than his own Scottish heritage, he's a man of God and he's the best runner of all of them because it's about Olympic runners. These English lads and one Scottish guy and the Scottish guy is the fastest of all of them. You have runners and then you have running itself and he is running. He also is down with the Lord and he's connected and this is, a, by the way, these are real people. It's so fun. These, these are like real people who did some really kick-ass running. And that may sound like nothing, but when you see them in slow motion to Vangelis or Vangelis music, people, this is a special movie. You know what's interesting, too? Because this is a lot, a lot of the characters are coming from this Cambridge uh, University society. And the English university society i don't know what it's like now but i've spoken to a lot of english relatives and my mom being half english and just really being very knowledgeable of all english customs was explaining to me because there's this there's this theme to the movie that's very strange that you would never see in an american sports movie because the Americans, and they, they actually make kind of a, a, satir, a satirical bit about it in the movie, about how Americans are like all competition. So you damn well better compete. The English have a strange relationship to uh, the athletic pursuits. And there's one character who's definitely like the star runner of Cambridge. 
and he really takes it seriously, and the establishment frowns upon this. You are to be an amateur, but you have hi- we understand that you've hired a, a private professional. That means you're taking up a professional attitude, and that means that you... So, so I, and, I, and you wonder, like, why are they making this guy not want to try his hardest to compete the best he can? Well, my mom was explaining this to me, and apparently this is a very real thing. Again, I don't know if this is, this is, we'll just speak for 1920s, um, you know, old established England, barely out of Victorian times, England, where you have this sense of, if you're part of the elite, because here you are at Cambridge, let's not fool ourselves, you're part of the silver spoon crowd, you're here to rule the world one day. We don't want to see you sweating so much out there like a commoner. I think that's kind of the idea is if you if you're trying too hard to be an athlete, which is really like uh, sort of, you know, more of a tradesman's a sort of middle to lower class thing, uh, then you don't get to play with the big boys. And I think that that's actually what these people are doing is they're just a bunch of out of shape, weak old men who have no business even like moving in the, they haven't moved out of an armchair in 35 years. I think that's why they don't want people to compete. They're jealous AF. Well, there's a million things I could say about this movie. Uh, One scene I have to talk about, you know, everyone uh, in sports movies, there's a couple of scenes at least where you just watch them over and over again. And why? Well, they usually have one thing in common. Something looks hopeless for a hero. It looks like they're out of the game. Looks like they ain't gonna do it. And then they fucking not only get back in, but they pull through and they win. And uh, Eric Little, the Scotsman, the Flying Scotsman, they called him back in the day. There's this scene where he does a race And right at the top of the race, one of the guys pushes him. They fucking push him. And he goes toppling over. (gasps) Everyone takes a big, ah. And then in this perfectly edited 80s montage style with Vangelis Vangelis music, he gets up, he charges back in, and it's intercut with normal speed which is therefore fast because he's running and then glorious slow motion there's you feel like I, I i'm not speaking out of turn here i hope i'm not but because you know this character is like his heart is next door to god he you feel with some of the camera motions because there's this one shot where he catches up with the fucker who pushed him out of the way and it's great because it's sort of like a following tracking shot that's just over his head. You kind of feel like the Holy Spirit pushing him along. That's the vibe I get from the shot. And you see that fucker looking over his shoulder a couple times nervously. And as we might imagine, you look once to your left or right. That costs you precious time. And Eric Little pulls through. He wins. He got pushed out. He pro anyone else would have probably, you know, gone like, oh, well, fuck. No, I fell over. I can't. No. Now what's the point now? They're so far ahead. No, he. Oh, my God, dude. I've watched that scene about 75,000 times now. It's so, so good. If you need to watch a scene about like, no, get back in, get back in. 
in fact, Ian Holm is in the movie. He's great, and he he's the he's this cigar smoking coach character who always has a stopwatch because he's very interested in everyone's time. You know, when they're racing, and he's there, and he's looking at when Eric Little falls down, and he goes, "Get up, lad, get up." And boy, th- those words will ring through your soul at times in the day where you feel like you can't do it, and you just got to put an Ian Holm on your shoulder to go, "Get up, lad, get up." Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, one last thing I want to talk about, my friends, about the movie that I really admire. So, okay. The movie has these strange things that only if you're religious and only if you're English. I'm only partially both of those. <laughs> and I, partially because, indeed, by blood and heritage, I'm partially English. The religious part, okay, don't get confused, folks. I don't go any, to any church, and I do not subscribe to any definite denomination. But I'm not anti-God. Let's put it that way. I'm definitely not anti-God, even though... I'm a little anti-religion, but that's another tale for another time. Eric Little, this character, this real man in life, he is a man of deep principles, and he truly owes his running to God. And the deal he has with God is he'll never run on a Sunday, because Sunday is the day of the Lord. It's the Lord's day. You don't run. You don't don't have sport. Oops, as I bump my uh, pop filter again. <clears throat> you don't um, you don't have fun on the day of the Lord, according to Eric Little's principles. And here he is at the Olympics. He's made it, but uh-oh, he's scheduled to run on Sunday. Well, he has a sit-down with these really stuffy one-percenter royalty, in fact. They're, the literal Prince of Wales is there. People who are like, come off it, Eric. Back in the day, it was God... Last or no no the line is in my day it was king first god after, um they want him to to run for very selfish reasons because they want England to look good and that's all and you know this is extra insulting because they're asking a Scotsman to uh, represent His Majesty you know it's a it, it, it's kind of it clashes on many levels, but especially they're asking him to do this in lieu of observance of the Lord, which for him is extremely important. 
Now, even I think to myself, oh, come on. You tell me the Lord doesn't want you to run? Do it on Sunday. Do it for him. But I, but you know what? This character, he ain't going to do it. His principles are what they are. And when you see this wonderful performance by the actor, I believe his name was Ian Charlson, that he, he plays it very well. You really believe it. I got to say, it's one of the few religiously driven characters I've ever seen in a movie where I'm just like, yeah, no, no, this guy's the real deal. This guy's the absolute real deal. Uh, I may not want to do the style of spirituality that he's doing, but what I see him doing is the real fucking deal. Definitely. So here we are. We have this conundrum. Well, you, we know you're our best runner. How are we going to be able to get you out there? If you don't do this, then there, then we're never going to see you out there. Hmm, hum, hum, hum. What do we do? Well, my friends... There's a scene in this movie that I think is just fucking great. Now, this is where we talk about one other character here, because he makes his entrance at this point. And we've seen him throughout the movie as sort of a tertiary character. His name is Lord Lindsay. And there you go. I mean, my gosh, you know, he, he's one of the Cambridge boys and he's a freaking lord. I mean, this is back in the day, or maybe it still happens where people are like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the chaps here. But by the way, I also, uh, you know, I'm basically cousins with all these kings and queens and duchesses and dukes. And I'm a lord and I have servants and I live in a mansion. And, you know, so he's a one percenter, but he loves running. And what I love about this character, and I feel like we've seen him in every field of life, in a lot of sports, you'll sometimes have someone who, they're very accomplished, they're absolutely athletes, they're not fakers, they actually can hold their own, they can run with the pack, and in his his case, literally, you can run with the pack, but you're almost like the best nerd fan there is, and the fact that you actually engage in it, but you know you're not like... A, like a gold medal winner you know you're not gonna or you, you also and because he's English he kind of knows like he's very comfortable with just being able to run he doesn't need to win and that's and he feels very proud of that because he also knows he's English he's like oh yeah I, I want to be one of the best but not the best well no no silly 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 and he's this very very positive chap he's he's oh dude the, by the way the movie begins with uh, him and another character as old men reminiscing the old days at a funeral for one of the characters that you also meet in the movie. And man, there's this touching thing. He refers, because he and his friend are old, old men now. And he looks to his friend and he says, young Aubrey Montague and myself are the only ones left here. And I love how he refers to his friend as young because he was the youngest of their group. And he, you know that even when you're all buddies still together and you've made it into your 70s, 80s, 90s, young so-and-so will always be young so-and-so. And if I know you and we're contemporaries and we make it, bless our souls into our old, old age, you know damn well I'm going to be referring to you as Very well, my young man, or very well, young lady. I will be saying that to you, my friends, when we are both old. You know damn well I will. I think it's a super touching thing, and it's something old people earn, calling each other young men and young lady. I think that's so sweet and so cool. Well, anyway, this guy is a silver medal winner in the movie, and... His scene, by the way, with racing is so good. You feel his his actual, like, 
he has there's a shot where he realizes, oh my god, I've made it to the Olympics. I, I was I was kind of like the hobby boy who did really well, got into the Olympics, but now it's dawning on me. And oh dear, I really have to run now. This is going to be very very scary. And he does his best, but the Americans win that day. The the uh, an American pulls through, and as he's coming to the finish and it's in slow motion you actually see him let out this primal cry because ah! he yes he may be an englishman he may have principles he may indeed live after this day but in that moment when you can see the finish line and you also even though you gave it your best just the other guy was faster. He just was. It is what it is. You lost this race. Or you didn't lose. You just didn't come in first. Well, he gets his silver, though. And dude, that's no small feat. This isn't a two-person race. This is like eight people, right? I always forget how many are out there on the field, but it's, yeah, it's like eight people, right? I mean, that's pretty damn good, being a silver medal winner. Well, cut back to the scene I was telling you about where the establishment want Eric Little, Scotsman's pride and joy, and therefore his majesty's uh, pride and joy, don't you know? Um, They want him to run on Sunday, but he won't do it. Well, suddenly in walks Lord Lindsay. And he can do this because he's, you know, one of them. He just happens to also be one of the runners. So he's got like a foot literally in both uh, sides of the uh, fence. He's kind of in there with the gladiators and he's there with the senators, if we make it really old school. And he comes in and he gives this very eloquent brief speech saying, I, I believe I have a solution to this. I am scheduled to run on Thursday. I've already got my medal. So why don't we have Eric run in my place? Dude, that is a class gentleman. Everyone thinks it's a brilliant idea, as they should, because that's a G-A-F move. And you're just like, what the, that's fucking amazing, dude. And even Eric Little is like, oh my, thank you. And then, dude, Lord Lindsay says the sweetest and coolest thing ever. He says, not at all, dear boy. Just to see you run. Because he knows, he there, there's a scene earlier when he sees him to smoke everyone in a race, and he's just like, my God, fantastic. Like, he's a fan. Just imagine that, guys. Imagine you're allowed to play in the games. You already got your medal. Was it gold? Nah. Now, you have a chance next Thursday to get the gold. You, you still have a chance to get the gold. But you know what? You already got a medal. And silver ain't bad. It's pretty fucking good. And... How cool that you know that Eric Little is the real deal. If you put Eric Little in the race, you know Great Britain is run is winning this race. And I just think that that's such a true gentleman class A move. Be more like Lord Lindsay. Be more like Lord Lindsay. If you have an opportunity to help someone out, you know, I already ate my sandwich today. I've got a whole nother one right here. Why don't I give it to you? You know, it, it's as simple as that, folks. I just love that scene so much. And it's pretty cool 
that this is a uh, very comfortable, very high class society dude who could have been selfish and could have said, well, no, I want to have a second chance to be glorious. And he gave up the power to somebody who he really does recognize as like, no, 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 this, we need to put running itself into the race. So, once again, I recommend to you folks, get into some good British cinema as well. These are really great stories. One is a badass movie that uh, fills you with paranoia and danger and intrigue and even some comedy and even some romance. And the other one is pure feel-good. Chariots of Fire is... is I, I get cynical about movies that, tr that aim for the same feel-goodness as Chariots of Fire, but Chariots of Fire somehow does it. I'll tell you what really helps. How it's shot and the soundtrack. Those are game-changing. Those make it. And also, not to mention, you know, talk about great accents. You get them in this movie, too. So, Sexy Beast from the year 2000 and Chariots of Fire from 1981. Recommended. All right, my friends. Well, oh boy, I did go over the time that I meant to today, but hopefully it was all worth your time. And speaking of which, thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme. In the Words of Alex Rogers is a podcast orbiting the mothership of Wild 7 Studios. Music by Inca Rose. Keep your ears open for storyscapes, simpin' after dark, and other audio goodies from Wild 7. And keep your eyes open for its first feature-length film, Debbie and the Devil.